May God have our sister here. Oh, go sister hear the melodies the hymns the spiritual songs and the psalms of the angels and receive all of our worship all of our prayer all of our songs and all of our studying of his scriptures today today is Hosaina in the orthodox church or palm sunday as the western church celebrates tinsae or easter or the resurrection of our lord and savior jesus christ each of the four gospel accounts, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, Matthews, Marcos, 
Lucas and now Johannes, have a version of the Hosanna story. Today, we will be examining Hosanna according to the Gospel of John. So take out the Gospel of John, chapter 12. And today we will be examining verses 12 to 19. So for homework, everyone should read the preceding verses, verses 1 to 11. In the preceding verses, we will see Mary, not our, not our Lady, the Holy Virgin Mary, but another Mary, anointing or christening, putting holy oil, kabagadus, on our Lord, putting nardos or nard on our Lord, which is very expensive. And because he worshipped mammon, because he worshipped the evil spirit or the demon of money, Judas Iscariot, who was one of the twelve, who received a direct teaching from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, tried to make a play at that expensive material so that he could take away from the top of it, so that he could keep what was of the first fruits. This is in two ways the original sin that Cain displayed against his brother Abel. First, because he's abusing his brother or his sister, in this case his sister, with words, as Cain did physically until the point of death of his brother Abel, who was a fleeting or vanishing breath. And second, because this displayed the envy that he had for the sacrifice of Abel, just as uh, Cain was jealous of the first fruit sacrifice of Abel, we see that Judas Iscariot is jealous of the first fruit sacrifice of Mary. So that's your homework to read about is John 12 from verses 1 to 11. And the rest goes like this. I'll read it aloud for everyone. On the next day, the large crowd that had come up for the festival heard that Jesus had come to Jerusalem. They took palm branches and went out to meet him. Hosanna, they shouted. Welcome in the name of the Lord. Welcome to Israel's king. Jesus found a little donkey and sat on it. As the Bible says, do not fear, daughter of Zion. Look, your king is coming now, sitting on a donkey's colt. His disciples didn't understand this to begin with. But when Jesus was glorified, they remembered that these things had been written about him and that these things had been done to him. The crowd that was with him when he called Lazarus out of the tomb and raised him from the dead told their story. That's why the crowd went out to meet him, because they heard that he had done this sign. The Pharisees conferred. You see, they said to each other, it's impossible. There's nothing you can do. Look, the world has gone after him. So there are three main sections here that I want to discuss. First, in verses 12 to 13, the idea of Hosaina itself and the crowds saying it. In 14 to 15, I want to discuss the kingship of our Lord. And finally, in 16 and 19, I want to emphasize the fickleness the going to and fro, the waratawiness, the fad followingness of the masses. And then I'll end with the Misbach 
that is associated with this and other occasions. The misbach is, of course, the psalm that chants, that the church chants. So in this passage, <clears throat> like in all other passages of the New Testament or the Newer Testament, we see hearkening back to the Older Testament. The Newer Testament is constantly inviting us to read again the Older Testament. In our church tradition, if you grow in your kene or Ge'ez poetry and you're able to enter Maza'if Tibet or the place where the scriptures are studied, we have Biluyat and Hadisat. We have the Older Testament and the New. It's never in isolation. Our church provides deep study, rich study of both those sections because it's all important for us and it has one salvific message, one message of deliverance, one message of rescue to all the children of Adam, to all the children of the ground and the groundling, to all of humankind. Here in John chapter 12, we may be reading the Newer Testament, but we're invited to read from Zechariah or Zacharias chapter 9 verse 9. But when you're invited to read Zechariah 9, 9, you're invited to read all of Zechariah chapter 9 and all of Zechariah, which is itself a part of the minor prophets, which is part of the scroll of the 12, those last 12 prophets right before the New Testament, which are at the end of our Older Testament. We also see Psalm 118, according to the Western tradition, and according to our tradition, Psalm 117, quoted here from verses 25 to 26. So as our culture has a beautiful tradition of, we need to Dawit Madgam one more time. We need to recite the Psalms of David. Particularly here, we're invited to read the Psalms accordingly that are quoted in this chapter, which are 117 or 118, depending on your version of the Bible. So in verses 12 to 13, we hear them say, Hosaina, Hosaina means save us or deliver us or rescue us. Hosanna is tied to the biblical names of Hosea and Isaiah and Joshua or Jose, Isaias and Yasu. And of course, Yasu or Joshua is also Jesus's name. Jesus is a Greek transliteration or accented way of saying Joshua. So Joshua, Isaiah, Hosea, they all have this original Semitic word in it, which means save us, deliver us, rescue us. So here we're being asked, uh, we're, we're hearing the people say they want to be saved by our Lord Jesus. And as our sister sang for us earlier it, <laughs> in that wonderful hymn, Oh, uh, the one who is recognized of our father, David, save us. Your kingdom, which is coming, which is on its way, which is at hand, is blessed. Early in the morning, during the Hosaina holiday, we chant, It's the same thing that we say during Havana, where the Melka Kurban says is the moment in which the wine and the bread become his flesh and blood. At that moment, during every liturgy, not only the Hosanna liturgy, but every liturgy, 
we say, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And so we realize that he is blessing them in the midst of a Roman occupation, of a Roman colonialism. As Ethiopians, we have a proud history of anti-colonialism, but even Ethiopia had to fight to try to combat that colonialism. Here, we do not see our Lord Jesus combating Roman occupation and Roman colonialism of the Jews of this time with his legions of angels. He could have, with a snap of a finger like Thanos, come and wiped out all of the Romans. Instead, he comes on a donkey, which leads us to verses 14 to 15. He doesn't come with a battalion of angels or with legions of angels. He doesn't come on a mighty battle horse leading the charge into battle in a physical way. His battle horse is an ahiyah, an adik. His battle horse is a donkey. His battle horse is a reflection of his humility, of how humble he is. The same Lord that came and rested Bamahis Anadingil in the womb of the Holy Virgin Mary came on a simple animal that most people think is dumb or stupid that people use as a pack animal. This animal is so hated that if you read this version in other versions of English, you will see it doesn't use the word donkey. It uses a word that I will not say right now in this conference, but has come to be a cuss word in people's eyes because of how much people look down on donkeys. Even in Amarinya, the word ahiyah is used to put other people down. Human beings are called donkey as an insult. And it is this insulted, lowly animal that our Lord chose to ride in, to reveal his kingship, because his kingship is not the kingship of people who think they're wise on this earth, people who philosophize in their armchair, people who think that their masters or bachelors or PhD grants them wisdom or entrance to the kingdom. It's not the wisdom or the kingship that we see in the presidency of the United States or the prime minister's office in parliamentary places like Ethiopia and the UK. No, it's not of the kings of old, the absolutist monarchs that we saw in Europe or in Africa. His kingship is heavenly. And this heavenly kingship has to be humble because it represents what we were invited to read in Zechariah. It represents Zion or Sion, the heavenly city made by the hands of God, not by the hands of human beings. That heavenly city in the wilderness on a hill says you must be humble. It is this hum humility revealed in his kingship that allows us to not worry about what type of car or vehicle we have. It allows us to not care about showing off in the type of pandemic we're in, but to be humble and lowly in every shape, way, and form. It is this king whom we say, Yiva Nusa Sebhat, Yiva Amlakamirat, may the king of glory enter. May the God of mercy enter. Rulers, open the gates. Rulers, 
open the gates and let the King of glory enter. Let the God of mercy enter. In 16 to 19, we see that the masses are fickle. They move with every wind, just like a reed would. They are blown away by any spirit. On Sunday, they say, Hosanna. They say, save us, deliver us, rescue us. And yet the same masses say, crucify him, crucify him, crucify him. This is ridiculous. The Pharisees at this moment lost hope. They despaired quickly because they are like the masses. They are licking their fingers and putting it to see which way the wind blows and trying to match that. They're like demagogues or politicians who are always changing their opinion based off of what people say. Our Lord's teaching is not like this. Our Lord's teaching, which we received as deacons, priests, and bishops from the apostles who received it from our Lord, is a family heirloom, a deposit, a trust that never changes. The only thing that changes are the misaliwich, the illustrations that we use so that we can understand because each generation has its own context. And we need to not impose or put our own context on the Holy Scriptures, but look at and study our context and look at and study the original context of the Holy Scriptures so that we can be sucked into that world. And Misbak says, Out of the mouths of babes and sucklings, out of the mouths of infants, out of the mouths of the youth, out of the mouths of the children, we saw your praise. Your praise sprang forth. So, to glorify God, to praise God as a child, as a lot of you are, is a great thing. One thing I will ask you to do is to not be fickle. Do not go here and there. Do not be swayed easily, but be firmly grounded in your faith. Be firmly grounded in your trust of our king who rode in on an ahiya or on a donkey. Make your praise or your glorifying of our God not one moment, not a fad, not here one day, gone the next but continual, lifelong, until your very last breath or until judgment day. And teach your friends and your family, whether it be on Zoom or on Google Hangouts or Skype or your phone or texting or on TikTok, on IG Live, on Facebook, on Snap, whatever medium of communication you use, whatever way you talk to your friends and your family, use that medium of communication, use that way of talking to give glory to God in the highest. Hosanna ba'aryam, Hosanna in the highest. Wasubhat le'exyabhir. Is a production of the Ephesus School Network.